Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod! All right, Andrew Easton here along with Angela Bergman. I'm excited to kick off the Westside Personalized Podcast again this week. And we're at Westside High School to talk a little bit about personalized learning and really personalization in a particular lesson, a week-long lesson in Earth and Space in Angela's class. And so, Angela, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And I'm um, excited to just, th- this, the backstory to this podcast happening was I was actually down the hall in another class talking with another teacher about personalized learning, and I walked by and Angela goes, hey, come into my class. Like, we're doing some personalized learning stuff right now. And so I got to, like, hang out, just kind of bebop in there and saw some really cool stuff that you guys were doing. And so it's like, hey, let's talk about this. So yeah. here we are, mm-hmm. which is pretty exciting. What class is that exactly that um, Earth and Space Obviously, encompasses a lot. Yeah, it covers <laughs> so. um, geology, astronomy, and climatology this semester. It covers a specific set of state science standards that aren't covered in other classes here at Westside, and it's a prerequisite for the physics course. So, kiddos who are taking, who are going into physics, take this either with physics or before they get to physics class. Okay, so you get to kind of maybe dabble a lot in a lot of different... Yeah, we have um, like three major units, like I said, like astronomy, geology, and meteorology. uh, Actually, excuse me, climatology. And the content does, we do do quite a bit of content, but it's a little bit scripted in that they have specific things that they have to learn because of our state standards. So that part of it kind of directs us in terms of what we dabble in. Okay, so. uh, and that's good. We uh, with personalized learning always talk about how we find a way to bring that along with the standards and to kind of enhance the learner experience while they're still getting all the things that yeah we need to cover. And so yeah. um, it's cool that's a place you know where we're starting our conversation today. Just as a little backstory before we get kind of into this particular lesson and, and kind of your vision for it and how it's played out. Can you tell us just kind of your personal history in education and. Okay. The courses you teach or have taught? <laughs> um, so this is my, I think, 16th year in teaching. I started off in natural science and biology. And then in 2010, when we got new state science standards and we realized there's no place th- this particular set of science standards was taught, I said, well, I'll help figure out what textbook and ended up landing as team leader for this course. Then we started off as a textbook bound, scrambling for our lives, brand new curriculum. And uh, at the state level, they've called our, our high school in this course a redheaded stepchild of education <laughs> because okay. no other school district has dedicated an entire course that's required for this content. And so other school districts are trying to cram this content into other courses. So we're a lighthouse district in that we have taken the time and said, this is important. And if the state says it's important, we're going to dedicate resources and kids' time and energy to it. And so in education, like that's one of the things I've done in summertime has gone across the state and shared what we do here at Westside as a course and given teachers other ideas of how to teach it and ways to stick it into other courses. So I'm kind of coming at it from more like a statewide perspective almost sometimes yeah. and knowing that uh, I get asked to share what we do here a lot. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. <laughs> well, and give me a sense of how many years that process has been going on and like for this particular course, because iterations matter, you know, and when mm-hmm. you get a chance to kind of 
reflect and change. And so how, how many run-throughs have you had since it was scripted textbook, we're doing chapter one today, chapter yeah. two, three weeks from now, etc. to um, the way in which you sort of broke it down for us at the start of the podcast? Um, we, I believe, started that new course, I think it was 2000... I want to say it was 2000, somewhere between 2007 and 2010. 2007 sticking in my head. I'd have to go back and actually look okay. it up. Um, we could generally say, though, about there's been about 10 years of development with this course in terms yeah. of its like... And what's exciting about this course is it's only a semester. So, like, if you find something that's not working, it's fixed by the next semester. So, it's almost like it goes twice as fast. So, if we're talking, you know, if we're generous and say it was 2010 and it's been eight years, that's still 16 right. times through this course. So, most classes don't get to make changes that quickly. But we're able to drop things, add things, try new things really fast. So, for us, it's... Kind of terrifying in that you only have one semester. Like if you're going to drop something like we are doing with meteorology, dropping all of that and taking that six weeks and rewriting that six weeks of curriculum, it's kind of terrifying in that it has to happen so quickly. But it's also really exciting because if you want to try something new, you don't have to wait very long. Yeah. And if you fi figure out something that will work better, you don't have to wait very long to try it. So that part of it's kind of nice in that you get to – and then also then in the course – modifies really quickly so if something's not working and then you try something and it's a little bit better and you try something different and it's a little bit better it improves really quickly too yeah. so um that's kind of nice about it so that's pretty awesome so where then i guess to sort of start to drive the conversation towards the week-long lesson that mm -hmm. i had a chance to kind of step in for 10 minutes of right and so i'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to be kind of exploring this in the dark a little bit too but so what previous activity or assignment, because that's usually one of the things that we talk about in the podcast is, uh, you know, where do we where do we start with personalized learning? And, mm -hmm. and so many of the examples we've shared in this podcast have been uh, entire units. Um, mm -hmm. But um, we say, well, maybe it's someplace where the lesson got stale or maybe it's yes. someplace where, <laughs> right, uh, where there's already differentiation and you can just extend it. Or maybe it's a, an entirely new thing that you're trying to implement and all of a sudden you're like, well, if I'm going to do this, I might as well personalize it anyway. Like, mm -hmm. So for this... For this lesson, exactly. if you can kind of remember back to those iterations, yep. where what led you to make this a personalized experience for your learners? So astronomy is very traditionally lecture-based. Like, here's like all the qualities of this planet. Memorize those. Here's all the qualities of this planet. Memorize those. Here's the stages of stars. Memorize this. Mm -hmm. And so our content for this was our star stages, and that's a, that was then and is now a specific set of science standards. And so students are required to learn the stages of stars, how nuclear fusion relates, and how that then applies in the rest of chemistry and the universe, stuff like that. And so it was lecture on Monday, and then it was, okay, what are we doing for lab? Because what we always try to do in our course was you learn about something in large group Monday, then you apply it in a lab Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then mm -hmm. Friday's probably your assessment of some sort. How long are those class periods, too, just for people that aren't familiar with Westside? 40 minutes. Okay. 35 minutes instructional time, because usually that last five minutes is your passing period. And so we do our 40 minute lecture and then we'd come into class and we're like, okay, make a graphic organizer. It's got to have definitions. It's got to have relationships and it's got to have ordering and you've got four days to create it. Right. <laughs> and it was, it was so hard just because kids hated it. It was hard to grade because you're doing so much reading. And then how do you make sure it was high quality? Like, was it point-based, objective? How do you make sure that 
kids weren't putting just writing copying down the definitions like a definition list so then we added okay we'll put then you also have to put the the definition in your own words so they had to have a book definition and their own definition and then we added well they're still kind of like talking together and everybody's got the same thing so then they also had to have an analogy so it started morphing into this thing that just kept being more and more work for kids <laughs> yeah. and more and more work for us and every like you said it was stale everybody hated it and so we were like, as Westside started saying, you know, personalized learning, personalized learning, here's some things to try or some things, here's what this might look like. We started getting kind of excited. Okay, this is something we're going to need to do because our district is requiring, here's a lesson we think we, is sucky, we don't like it, kids don't like it, yeah. um, how can we make this better? And the first thing we wanted was we wanted to keep that graphic organizer because we thought it was a really good tool for kids. So when we dropped that as an assignment, all of a sudden that became our notes. This is how we're going to frame it for kids. So in large group, that became what they write on is okay. this graphic organizer. But then we're like, well, what do we do for labs? Well, we took pieces of the content that we knew kids weren't getting by doing that graphic organizer. They don't understand nuclear fusion. How can we? And we started looking for resources. So we went out and... Well, um, and let's just say this is not a simple task, right? No. You're like, how do we get kids to understand nuclear fusion? Right. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sitting here going, I don't even know if I understand nuclear fusion. <laughs> right. But, uh, maybe I need to take the class. Well, so, but, then, but then you're doing the things that you normally would do as a, as a teacher. How can I teach this better? How mm -hmm. can I find... Is there something out there that somebody else has written? Yeah, watching videos, reading the different sites. Like exactly. Like steel. So you run across things like Khan Academy. Well, that could be a personalized learning activity. So let's tuck that in a file of, of, of resources. Then I come across a nuclear fusion game that was put out, um, published at a national level, free download for teachers. Okay, yes, that's a jumping point. Let's put that down. Let's put that down as a resource. And then I had an English language learner come through as a student, and I realized he could understand by hearing, but he couldn't necessarily produce language. Mm -hmm. So I had made a set of assessment, formative assessment cards for him that were flashcards. Um, so it had a picture on one, it had a different worded definition, like how I would word it coming out of my mouth, not how you'd see in a book sure. or online. And I put those on a different set of cards so that it, he could match those up and then put them in order. And I was like, well, if I just make multiple copies, I now have another station, another resource I can use for yeah. all kids. Because if it's good for an English language learner, mm -hmm. it's good for all kids. Sure. And the funny part about that one is when you put it in front of kids, they're like, well, these definitions don't match. No, really? Oh my gosh, you're going to have to <laughs> think about it? There's not it? one universal definition for every yeah, thing exactly. in the sun? Exactly. And Weird. all of a sudden, what happens is, you know, a kid's like, I don't know which activity to try first. Well, how confident are you in your learning? Well, I'm not confident at all. Okay, start with these flashing flashcards. Start with mm -hmm. these matching cards. See if you can figure out what this definition refers to, which of these, which one it refers to, and can you match it with that term? Well, here, can you check what I did? Yes. Okay, this one's this one's off. This one's off. This one's off. Redo that, and as you finish that, I want you to now put them also in order. And all of a sudden, these kids are starting to process that information at that one station based on where they think their learning is starting out. Mm -hmm. Another kid might be like, well, I get the order. I think I'm going to, but I still don't get that nuclear fusion thing. Here's that game I found. And now, granted, you're still doing exactly what you did before. You know, I like this game, but I can't afford $70 worth of marbles. Or, you know, this other piece of this isn't working. Or kids don't understand this. And you're building those scaffold tools in. And so over the course of a PLC, I think we spent three semesters in PLC. 
making these materials before we were like, okay, it's ready to launch. Yeah. So you're well, talking an hour a week for at least three semesters. That's a year and a half-ish. That's a lot on the front end. It was, but we also, but it also was worth it because mm-hmm. it launched and we're like, that worked. And we were able to take data then that year. So we gave the same summative assessment. So that we gave during that uh, graphic organizer time was a writing prompt. And okay. that writing prompt requirement didn't change. So it's a, an essay test. So then we looked at, well, our grading, our expectations didn't change. So what happened to our grade spread? And we looked and it got better. Yeah. And it was like, this is fantastic. You know, we were <laughs> excited because, you know, that's your big fear when you try new stuff, right? Like, right. is it going to work? And we were like, look at that. It did. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, it was exciting. Too. On first run. Which sometimes, that, we've had a little bit of an issue with that. Um, sometimes as you're trying a new practice, you have to, the score might dip for just the first run. Because you as a teacher go, ooh, I should have done this. I needed to have that piece organized. I would do this differently. And then all of a sudden your ceiling is higher. Yeah. Um, but nice job, you guys. I mean, of course, if you if you spent, you were deliberate on the front end in your design yeah. to a degree that you were probably able to hopefully foresee some of those things. And uh, that's awesome. Well, and the other thing it changes is even your attitude when you're teaching that the next time, right? Because mm-hmm. you're like, I hate this, but I only have to do it one more time. Yeah. Like, I know this, is, this change is coming. I only have to do it one more time. Let's have mm-hmm. this in place. And you just set that deadline and you're like... I can have something in place. And we had to adjust, like I know when we're going through this process, we've had to adjust our goals sometimes. Like the climate unit that we're making, not this this is just a lesson, but the climate unit that we're making, we were like, we're gonna have four options. And then we're like, this is taking us long. We're gonna have two options. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, so we've had to, right. those goals get adjusted as you go, but then it's just like any other teaching. You, like you said, you adjust your practice. So. Well, we only had two this time. We'll get a third ready for the next mm-hmm. semester when it goes through again. And, and your course is flexible in a way that it can That we can move do that. Every yeah. semester with that. Yeah, we and, can adjust with the kids. So. And one of the things I liked that I heard you talking about a little bit earlier uh, was just that idea of, yeah, do you learn best from flashcards or the, is this game going to help you know drive this concept home for you? And I think mm-hmm. that with personalized learning sometimes... Uh, that, and it should be that that choice gets out on the front end of that as an initiative and say, well, are we giving people choices, choices, choices? Uh, but then really the value is in the, the before and after the choice. It's in the how do you learn best? I don't know if I really know. And that, that moment where the student starts to realize that they are in control of making decisions that lead to their effectiveness um, mm-hmm. and that that is unique to them and that their strategies, if you want to call that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, yeah. in your approach to picking up anything new, uh, and so it's neat to see students sort of work through that. And then once they kind of start to make those choices autonomously and become more effective, um, you know, we argue all the time that that's, that has an applicability across disciplines in a way that um, just transforms your education. <laughs> well, and the other thing I would add to that is one of the tools we had available to students was um, things that we were going to be looking for in grading their essays. We had a basic rubric, and I call it a rubric loosely. What we had was we had a two-column learning target. And it said surface learning, I know, and it, it listed things like, I can define all the stages of stars. I know what nuclear fusion is. I know what fuels it uses. I know what mass is. I know what gravity is and how that relates to how stars move through the stages. But then the other side said, I know how mass and gravity are related. I know how nuclear fusion and mass are related. I know how 
mass and gravity are related to nuclear fusion and how all three of those work in moving a star along its stages. Mm -hmm. So as a student finished a, a stage, I'd say, okay, which side of this are you on? And if they're like, I don't even think I'm on here yet. I don't know these definitions very well. Okay, you might want to think about going to that yeah. station. And so kids were really able to kind of self-assess and go, yeah, I need more practice on this, or I need more practice on that, or I think I've got it. Okay, then you go try that empty graphic organizer and try to do it without your notes. Mm -hmm. And now if they they get to a spot and they're like, well, I, I couldn't fill in these bubbles. Okay, well, go try that station that over like there. That like a station four thing. Yep. Yeah, and awesome. so then That's they really were cool. able to even self-assess along the way, like where they were at in their learning, how close they were, and be able to adapt and adjust that way as well. What? So, I mean, to kind of spin it back to the personalized elements, too, you, like, knew your learners enough to know that this experience needed revamped, and so if I'm kind of checking my boxes here, then to get to data-driven, uh, data-informed decisions, uh, not only is their data on the reflection end, you know, where you're like, hey, let's look at last year's test and this year's test, and yay, there's growth and all these great things, uh, but to give the students data, to, like, give mm -hmm. them an opportunity to, yeah, see exactly what they know and what they don't through, and not that pre-tests are a novel idea, but... Uh, you know, it can be something like that where it's just a graphic organizer, it's a handout and, and simple sentence starters uh, that really should give them an opportunity then to tailor the learning experience to where there are holes in their understanding. And, um, but without that, that piece on the front end, it's really hard to leverage those stations, the choice, I guess, to yeah. get back to my previous point. For, for what's there uh, optimally maybe is uh, the way to think about that. And so that's really cool that you have that and the flexibility for them to sort of um, so this will be a question I think that educators might have then. So then what do you do during these lab days as there's like four or five stations going on and students are bouncing maybe from one to the next or mm -hmm. hunkered down at one place for a long period of time? Like what does that look like for you in there um, during those, so those in, lab times? Yeah, in there you're doing formative assessment. You're talking to kids. Tell me what tell me what you're thinking. What why did you put this like this? How come you you did this? What does that tell you about this? And you're able to have some personalized some one-on-one -on -one conversations with kids. So you're doing that kind of thing. There is um, some management pieces. You got to get used to the controlled chaos of your classroom. I would agree. Um, yep. that part you got to be comfortable with kids um, they they're everywhere. They're uh, so one of the things like we did was, okay, backpacks up at the front. Um, that way there's um, our room's kind of different and that our desks are bolted to the floor. So there's trip hazards. So we had, okay, backpacks up at the front. And then what we did to make sure kids were processing through, you know, getting out of each activity what we wanted them to, there was a set of questions in their lab packet that they, can you answer those questions? And at first, our first round, that's all they had to do was answer those questions. So that way they could also self-assess that way. Mm -hmm. Can I answer these? And then Ms. Bergman, I think I've got, I think I've got that. So their hand would go up. I'd go over, have that conversation. Yeah, I think you do too. Stamp off that activity. And that, that worked. Um, there were some management issues with that. Like a kid could cheat and kind of circumvent the system by mm -hmm. listening to those conversations and then just write it down and then tell me tomorrow, hey, I finished this. Right. Um... And so that never happens in traditional education, just personalized. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry. Just to forgive, be forgiving of you, but okay, yeah. so maybe you found. So then what we did was we instituted some online quizzes. So they can take a Blackboard quiz, but that also is another self assessment tool. Could you get 100% on it? Ooh, I only got an 80 or I got a 20, you know? Okay, so that means you may need some more practice. I wouldn't just practice taking that quiz, I'd go see what 
maybe you didn't understand or what question do you need to ask me now? Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a lot of that formative assessment, a lot of that conversation going on. And by having that self-graded quiz, whether you're using a Google form or whatever, that's sure. so helpful because then a kid can do that quickly and then know, yeah, I can move on because I got 100%. I don't need to talk to Ms. Bergman or man, yeah. I keep missing that question and I don't know why. I'm stuck. And so they can come ask me. And we did it too so that kids could do some activities at home and some of them they had to do in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So that way, if they were sick, there's no excuse. Just keep working. You have what you <laughs> right. need. You know, you know, you can watch this video mm -hmm. at home while you have your little <laughs> sickness, you know, whatever. I'm not, I'm not you know. Sure. And so... So that's one of the things that like you're you're doing while you're you're just you're keeping lab space safe because uh, we had one one station that did need a little safety observation but um, keeping the lab space safe and comfortable for kids but then also just really working those formative assessments and talking to kids which I love that part of it because I figure I found I knew I was able to give more timely feedback like. I could t say in the moment, like this kid got it. It, it's a little stressful for me as a teacher because, like, there's a kid you're like, oh, I wanted to talk to them today, but I got sucked into this conversation <laughs> over here, but I didn't want to leave it because I was having a really good conversation with right. this kid, and so I wish there was three of me. And so that part of it, I still need to figure out how I can help make a little bit more of that happen. But mm -hmm. you know, giving myself grace that there's never you never have enough time <laughs> with each kid, right? So right. Well, and that's. And to kind of keep running through those elements, I mean, choice is apparent in the midst of this, and voice too, in the sense that they get to pick where they're going and they're reflecting all along as they go. The flexibility of the space where you have different stations to utilize and they can kind of move, like you said, they kind of organize controlled chaos, I guess, within well, space. And the and, space and, is important because it helps you manage the it, formative it assessment. Like, okay, everybody over here is working on this. So now, okay, what are your questions? You kind of already mentally know what the questions are going to be and like what you should be seeing and who's helping who with what and stuff like that. That's Absolutely. Really when we do our personalized learning training, that's something that we like talk about when we talk about flexible stations versus flexible seating. And when there's a like station, uh, as an educator, as you approach that station, you already can shift into a mindset where you know about the four or five questions that you're likely mm -hmm. going to see and where they're at, where if everyone's in rows, you spend the first two minutes just going, okay, where are we at? What step are we on? What are we yeah, and it's, yeah. it, uh, it certainly makes your conversations more efficient. It sounds like you got tech, though, too, to get back to it, that like you're obviously leveraging to give them real-time feedback with these forms. And, and I just love, and I think that at the heart of all of it, is that you get to have just that rich dialogue with students and they can ask their questions. And uh, I just think that that's such a big piece that it that this type of learning experience affords that, yeah. that uh, is kind of unique to it, I guess. It, it was really the big, I mean, selfishly, as, a, as an educator, you leave me <laughs> and they go, I feel like we really like, you know, had some, some awesome conversations that weren't just me answering surface-level questions, the same question 10 times over. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, and, and then the same community learning still happens. You know, when a kid go asks another student instead of you, that kind of community learning still happens, and I think it's a little more comfortable in that kind of climate because it's not sit down, shut up, get to work. It is a, that controlled class is a good place for another kid to lean over and go, do you understand this part? Mm -hmm. You know, so, yeah, I like that part of it as well. Yeah, and, and it's awesome to hear how active you were in the midst of everything. I have seen some people take models like this and and implement it, and they sit at the front and they wait for someone to raise their hand. Yeah. And, and that can happen. I mean, it can work. 
But I've, I've had you know some educators say, well, I feel like I'm just sort of a study hall monitor. And uh, I would encourage you if, you, if you get to a place where you feel like that, your job is to go get in the middle of the learning, right? Yeah. And, and ask questions and, and set up opportunities to have discussions about those formatives on the fly, which probably even cut down on the grading you take home, I would imagine, if you're doing Oh, yeah. Stuff. I didn't grade. I didn't have to grade anything at home all week um, because you're watching the forms come in and you're like, oh, you know, Johnny got another one done. I can bump his grade up to a B now instead of a C because he got another 100% on another one of these quizzes. And... And those hinge questions that you think of that you would normally ask a kid and that having that learning target right there at their workstation. Okay, so if you are sitting there as a study hall person, go ask a hinge question. Where are you on this? Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden you're catching, you know, you don't want as a kid or as a teacher, you don't want the time that you figure out what they know and don't know to be on that exam. You want to know ahead of time kind of going in, okay, this And they kid, want to know that. They want to know. They don't right? want to fail your test. They, mm -hmm. they really don't. And so if you're already figuring out, hey, you've got a hole right here that we need to get that filled. How can I help you? There, you're building a climate of learning. You are building a good relationship with that kid. And they're going to learn more for you because of it. And mm -hmm. I think that's why our grades went up. Yeah, I was going to say, data bear that out. Yeah, because that's what exactly happened because you're able to address that earlier and not at the time of the test and say, okay, and then you're trying to pull them back in to have them retake. We have a lot more kids that get more done. We have a lot of kids that don't have to redo the exam because they did well the first time. Mm -hmm. So, Well, this is usually the point in the podcast where I ask kind of a reflection question, but instead I'm going to kind of break script a little bit for me today okay. and say, can you give us about... Uh, the 32nd, it might not be in a minute, whatever, uh, elevator pitch for the unit that you guys are putting together that is going to be incredible that we, I'm told, I'm going to put you on air, uh, on, I don't know, um, retainer, I guess, like, I'm going to make sure that this follow-up podcast happens for this unit that you're going to talk about, because okay. it's so cool, and I'm really excited for whenever you guys kind of get that finalized. You spent all summer? All summer, and uh, last, year, last a year a little bit, yeah, working on this unit, um, so our Nebraska State science standards are based off of NGSS so that teachers would have support materials. And so I'm like, oh, I have to drop weather because it goes to middle school and we got to pick up climate. And you go on NGSS's website and there's like no, there's nothing. Nobody, everyone's afraid of climate because it's such a political hot button issue. Mm -hmm. um, so nobody wants to address the science of it. Everybody's terrified. So nobody wants to publish anything. It's not out there. So I was like, well, that means I got to write it. So, okay, I have to knuckle in and do this because my kids need it. So, all right, well, personalized learning for STARS went good. Might as well. Here we go. <laughs> so then go to state level. State's like, okay, we want kids to figure stuff out. We want them gathering data, analyzing data, and then uh, communicating their analysis. So working on that model, it's based on a phenomenon. What do you want them to figure out? Well, I looked at those phenomena and went, well, which one do I choose? Well, why should I choose it? Yep. Why can't a kid choose it? Why can't it, that drive their learning? Because a lot of times with climate, it's why is this important? Why do I care? Well, here's why you might care. And so then we decided, okay, well, let's do multiple phenomena. Well, you still have to do labs in science. So how do you make sure you get the right labs in there? So the model we moved to is going to be a modeled phenomena. So they'll get one phenomena that everybody can refer back to. And then they get two choice phenomena 
that they can pick and then that will be their essay writing prompt. So then we'll still have our regular content like exam and our regular lab practical over their lab skills. So can they collect the data? Can they analyze the data that they collect? But their writing prompt will be based off of the phenomena that they choose to frame their learning around. Mm -hmm. So this phenomena is going, that they choose is going to be kind of their, their theme for their unit and they get to pick that Early on, we're going to let them know that that's what their writing prompt is going to be about. So the whole time they're studying, they, hopefully they will be focused on that phenomenon. How does this apply? So then that way, when they walk away, they'll have done an in-depth study on something that I haven't necessarily taught directly because we're mm -hmm. teaching the concepts, not this phenomenon. And they'll have figured out that phenomenon based off of our work in class. But they're going to mirror essentially the process that you guys model as they look at something on their own. Yep. And so by, yeah, just by, again, modeling that process, then they should be able to apply it to the choice one or future one, you know, phenomena as they like come across that. Yep. And, and that's our goal is to right now this semester, which is our first time through, we'll have only two phenomena for them to choose from. We hope to add two more next semester. Yeah. Well, there's the preview. So whenever you see uh, Angela's name come back up on the podcast feed, make sure you tune in for that one as well because I'm excited to kind of hear how that goes on the other side of your implementation with things. And uh, I just think in closing, I want to say thank you for all that you do to, uh, I mean, develop a course like this and all the hard work and effort that you put in. And, and I, I just am inspired by uh, your team too to think that you're going to spend three years developing something or three semesters, you said. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, it's, it takes... It takes an effort sometimes to move education forward, and I love when there are people out there that are willing to um, do what's right for, for kids and, and put that effort in there. And so thank you, and thank that's you awesome. And thanks for sharing today yeah, so no other people can learn from all that as well. I hope so. It's helpful to someone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it will be. So thanks for your time. All right. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.net. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.